0: picks for pace presented by the bear report your number one source for chicago bears draft news analysis scouting reports
2: and
3: more
0: hosted by alex Blevin and andrew freeman on overtime, overtime media,
2: media.
3: Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report. My name is Andrew Freeman, and I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Usaid Koshal. Usaid, how are we doing today?
2: Doing well, man. It's exciting to be back after a week off. I know you had a fun week in Mobile, actually being down there covering the Senior Bowl. Obviously for me, because I wasn't down there, I was just scrolling through Twitter like every minute of the day kind of you know, looking at your updates, looking at updates from other people that were there, other people in the Bears community, but it's always a fun week in Mobile, regardless of whether you're there or not. Senior Bowl is one of my favorite times of the year, but man, tell our listeners, how was your experience down there?
3: Yeah, it was surreal, man. It was, uh, you know, it was a little bit different, I think, talking to some guys that have been down there before, obviously with the COVID protocols, they did things a little bit differently this year. They didn't allow uh, much interaction with the players as much this season, but uh yeah, it was, it was pretty pretty crazy experience being down there and actually seeing uh, some of the prominent NFL media, NFL draft media down there uh, at the Senior Bowl. And what was really impressive to me was seeing a live coaching and NFL coaching staff putting together practices live and seeing the type of energy that's out there in the field. Uh, it's really impressive stuff. And then when you combine that with all the players that are out, are out in the field they're doing their thing out there. Uh, yeah, it was just a surreal experience. It was really fun to cover uh, this thing. And, you know, hopefully when we get back to hopefully some, some form of normalcy for next year, um, you know, we can be down there, back again there, uh, covering that for the Bear Report once again and get even better coverage there because uh, it's a great event, like you said. It kind of kicks off draft season, I think, for a lot of people. I think for me and you uh, specifically, Uh, It's really a big deal, I think, for the NFL draft, pre-draft process. And, you know, it's one of those things where you talk to people down there in Mobile. uh, This is really their big event down there in Mobile, Alabama. And it was just kind of cool. Obviously, it's not a, they're not doing many big events there outside of the practices. But it's, it's really interesting to get that perspective from the people down there that this is kind of their big event. And it was just a really, really awesome to be a part of the entire thing. Really awesome to cover it and really awesome to meet a bunch of people there as well. I think that's one of the biggest thing there to get different perspectives, perspectives, I should say, from a bunch of different writers and media members down there covering this thing. Um, just a lot of fun overall. and I think that's a good way to transition to what we're going to be talking about for this episode here today. We're, we're recording this episode on Wednesday, February 3rd, following the Senior Bowl. So uh, our episode today is just going to be focusing all on recapping the Senior Bowl, getting my thoughts here and you say's thoughts here on what we saw down there for me specifically um covering uh the event down there live at the senior bowl. But we also have a special guest in here today as well. Uh he was down there at the senior bowl as well. I was able to connect with him um down there in Mobile, and that's Nicholas Moriano, uh from the Chicago Audible. Um he's gonna be on the podcast here talking about some of his thoughts on what he saw down there at the senior bowl as well. Uh, for those uh, maybe didn't check it out definitely check out our collaboration video that you can check out on the bearport youtube channel and the chicago audible youtube channel as well we did a little recap on one of the practices i think it was day two uh, of the practices down there at mobile but uh, we're gonna have him on the podcast today but before we get into recapping the senior bowl here and getting into that kind of going over winners and losers of the week and some of the guys that really stood out to us uh we're gonna get our first break in here for a word from our sponsor
0: The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life.
3: Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you're listening now
2: we're back here at the Picks for Pace podcast after our first ad read. We got to say and on Andrew Freeman in the house, your weekly host, talking everything bears. Andrew, I know you were down there in Mobile. It was your first experience. But I think we got to talk offensive line, right? And we'd be foolish to not talk about all the great p- prospects that were down in Mobile last week, right, for the offensive line. Especially knowing that Chicago does have some significant holes on the offensive line, right? You look at a guy like Quinn Merez from University of Wisconsin-Whitewater, which I know your own tweet was, hey, this is a Quinn Merez-Stan account now. I mean, Dylan Radun's from North Dakota State as well. Deontay Smith from East Carolina. Just tell us, what did you see from a lot of the small school offensive linemen down there that you look at and you're like, okay, this guy didn't go to the biggest school, but he could definitely be a solid starter on any NFL team. And this is someone to keep an eye on on day two or day three as a hidden gem. Yeah. Well, you already
3: mentioned a couple of the guys. I think the big guys that we have to be keeping our eye on is Bears fans. And that's Quinn Miners, especially out of Wisconsin Whitewater. This is a guy that uh, playing at a D3 school, you have to take everything into account here when you're evaluating his play at the senior bowl. Uh, A lot of people, you know, you're going to love this guy, uh, myself included, because uh, he had all the pictures where he tucked in his shirt basically halfway up and his pot-belly gut, I guess you could call it, was exposed throughout the entire week. I mean, pretty awesome sight to see from an offensive lineman from the aesthetic uh, point of view. But when you look, actually look at his performance on the field, keep in mind here, Quinn Miner is a guy that played guard in college, but didn't play this past year due to COVID. They did not have any Division Three football. So you're, you're talking about the fact that he's rusty from taking a year off, essentially. And then he goes into the senior bowl here against higher level of competition. Some of these guys are going to be drafted first, second, third round. Some of these guys he's going up against and he's adjusting now to a new position because they had him trying out center for the most part throughout the week, which I thought was very interesting. And I mean, he held up very well. The first day, had a little bit of rough, a few rough reps in pass protection, uh, especially during the one-on-one drills. But once he got his feet under him, he was dominant throughout the week. And you could just really tell his strength at the point of attack, his ability to anchor against bigger guys, really impressive stuff there that we saw throughout the week. And there are multiple plays that you can look at to where during the run and team drills where he's run blocking, he's literally pancaking guys like five, 10 yards down the field, uh, just relentless in his approach as an offensive lineman, bringing that level of nastiness that you want to see from these guys at the offensive line position. Just fantastic, and he's he's got to be one of my favorite players to, at the Senior Bowl coming out of this week. To see him live, it was very impressive to watch. But you also mentioned mentioned Dylan Redouens of North Dakota State. He was a guy that I think was on a lot of people's radars because of the fact that uh, as in, from coming from the FCS, another small school background, playing with Trey Lance there at North Dakota State. Uh, you know, you look at him, his measurables maybe were not the most impressive for a tackle. I think he had. Shorter arms than what you'd typically want to see, but it didn't matter when he got in the field because he was, uh, for as dominant as Miners was in the interior, Redunds was just as dominant uh, on the outside at left tackle. Um, His ability, the the two things that stood out to me for Redunds, first was his ability to Mm -hmm. anchor against power rushers and be, be able to hold up against power at the point of attack there. I mean, you rarely saw him get pushed back into the lap of the quarterback Uh, so to speak when he comes to these one-on-one drills and then his ability to uh, adjust to counter moves Uh, so what would happen was a lot of these pass rushers they tried to beat him around the edge at first and maybe try to get him with a little bit of power he would you know get those guys right away and just lock them up and once he got his hands on them there was nothing he could do he was able to keep his feet moving he had very strong grip strength uh just very impressive stuff and then another guy you mentioned there Dante Smith out of East Carolina a guy that I had no idea who he was. I, I kind of had an idea of who were duns and, and Miners were going into this, but I hadn't heard of Dante Smith. So it was, it was interesting watching him on one-on-one drills and you're watching these things play out. And you're just saying, who the heck is this guy with the East Carolina helmet? Because he looks really good. <laughs> and uh, you end up looking up on your, they give you a roster sheet to look at there down the senior bowl. So I'm trying to like go through the list there and try and find this guy. It's like, oh, Dante Smith, who's that? So, you end up going, I ended up looking back into his profile a little bit because he's a guy that I had never heard of, obviously. Um, you look at his measurables six foot five, 35 inch arms, and 10 inch hands. So, that's like very good measurables for a tackle, first of all, especially when you look at the length things. Length, uh, that, that arm length is huge when you're talking about matching up against edge rushers in the NFL. And it really showed. And another thing with Smith is you have to point out, he looked a little bit undersized at the senior bowl, but it didn't really matter in terms of holding up against like powerful players there for the most part, he didn't really get beat with power very much. And you look at his background, apparently in college, he was at, he was listed at 274 pounds, his final year at East Carolina at the senior bowl, he was up to 294 pounds. So he put on 20 pounds of weight in the off season and you could tell he was able to hold up uh, much better against power. He actually had a couple of big blocks in the run game as well. So Very impressed with what I saw out of those three in particular there. Uh, But there are a lot of other small school guys that stood out to me as well in terms of offensive linemen. Uh, You look at David Moore out of Granville State. He was was an interior guy. Robert Jones, who the Bears actually met with. Apparently the Bears were very high on this kid. Uh, Robert Jones out of Middle Tennessee, I believe. Uh, A lot of small school linemen came to play this week, and it really showed. Uh, They really impressed holding up against some of these guys uh, from bigger schools.
2: Yeah, and speaking of guys that the Bears met, I mean, listen, we know that they met with Tylan Wallace of Oklahoma State, the wide receiver, who our guest Nicholas Moriano is going to discuss in a couple moments here. They also met with UNC running back Michael Carter, right? Another really intriguing prospect to keep an eye on. But just tell us, as we are sticking on the subject of offensive line here, I mean, what did you see from Notre Dame offensive lineman Robert Hainsey, right? Is he a guy that you look at and you're like, okay, that is definitely someone – that Chicago needs to take a look at. Because I think when we look at the Bears over the last couple of years, like they have had some success finding Notre Dame guys. I mean, you look at Mustafa and Alex Barsch, two really solid players that I'm not going to say Chicago can build around for sure, but they're much better than guys like Rashard Coward. And they have a lot of upside, but t- talk to us a little bit about Robert Haynesy.
3: Yeah. H- Haynesy's interesting because <clears throat> you look at him, um, you know, at Notre Dame, he played right tackle primarily, I think, uh, for when you look at his background there. So he's coming from this perspective where he's a right tackle in Notre Dame, played that all throughout college. And in the Senior Bowl, they had him playing in the interior, actually, and they actually tried him out at center as well. And the thing with Haynes, you, you have to point out that his lateral agility and his ability to move out in space isn't the greatest. He's a big dude. Um, he's got pretty solid length as well for an offensive lineman. But for whatever reason – He just doesn't look very comfortable on the edge, but in the interior where he's working more so in a phone booth a little bit, uh, that length and that natural power that he has really helps him out because he's able to get his hands on you. And once he gets his hands on you, he's so strong at the point of attack. He's got very strong hands that he pretty much wins the rep right there at that spot. He's very good with his technique as well. You can tell that he's very well coached, very technically sound in that aspect. He had a very good week as well. I thought, and it'll be interesting because I think he was playing center for the first time as well, similar to minors. he could see a very, very big rise, I think, going forward, because while I I don't think he would have been a great fit at tackling the NFL, and and if teams were just evaluating him as a tackle, he's looking like a late day three type of prospect. You know, they they take in the sixth, seventh round, and maybe he developed into something. But if he's showing something as an interior guy, maybe you see him go up in the fourth, fifth round area, you know, even though he doesn't have great, you know athleticism natural athleticism necessarily but uh he's definitely he can definitely play i think and i think whether it's at center or guard he brings a lot of versatility to the table now especially when you factor in that he
2: played uh tackle in college yeah and i think in terms of the versatility the bears really value that with ryan pace being the guy that pulls the trigger on these draft prospects because i think we saw james daniels he was a center At Iowa, right? I think he was a two or three year starter there, but he's playing left guard now. And obviously Chicago tried to get him to play back at center. But just the reality is that some guys that play center in college, they fit just so much better at guard in the NFL. Some guys like Robert Hainsey, right? They may play better at tackle on the exterior of the offensive line in college, but they're just so much better on the interior. I mean, Cody right here is another example. This guy was a second round pick, and you look at him, right? The Bears moved him to center the moment that they went ahead and drafted him. So Hainsey's a guy in terms of the versatility that I think would make a lot of sense for the Bears, especially knowing that you really don't have a surefire answer or solution at the right guard position, right? And you're really going to have to figure out what you're going to do with that. So Haynesy could be the move, but kind of let's switch over to the defensive Side of the ball here and talk defensive line, right? I think when we look at the state of the Bears with the defensive line, right, you realize Akeem Hicks is getting older. Twenty twenty one is going to be a contract year. There's even a chance that the Bears move on from him this off season because the cap hit for the defense is jumping up to 117 million, and it's going to be like 70 something million for the offense, right? And we know that that's just not the way to build a team in the NFL. But talk to us about the Senior Bowl Games MVP Cam Sample from Tulane. What did you see from him that you're like, you know what, if the Bears do make some moves along the defensive line this offseason, if that includes losing Hicks and losing Roy Robertson-Harris, who are some guys besides Cam Sample that you think could step in?
3: Yeah, yeah. the first word that comes to mind when I look at Cam Sample um, out of Tulane is explosive. This guy – I mean, he was almost unblockable during one-on-one drills. I mean, his, his explosiveness and his ability to uh, fire off the snap was really impressive. His ability to dip around uh, offensive linemen, whether it's around the edge or in the interior, uh, he just brought it every single snap this week. He was a guy that, for me, you know, he, he stood out every single day, too. He was very consistent. He, it wasn't a case where, you know, he had one bad day or maybe, you know, he had a good day after that, maybe had a bad day to follow that. No, he, every single day he went out there and he was winning his one-on-one matchups and he showed up to play every single day. And I, I, I'll, admittedly I was a little bit slow to come around to him because the first day I kind of assumed that offensive linemen, you know, they would struggle a little bit adjusting to the new environment here, you know, in pass protection. Anyway, the defensive players usually at a, a little bit of a disadvantage because they're moving forward and the offensive lineman's is usually uh, waiting for them to come to them in most instances there. But, uh, he just kept on impressing me day after day after day. And it really culminated into that game where he won the MVP, like you said, in the senior bowl actual game. Um, And you can see it. I mean, this guy, he's a little bit undersized. I think around only 275 pounds was what he was listed at, at the senior bowl. So he's, he's a little bit of of an undersized guy in the interior there, but you look at where the bears are at um, with their financial situation and roster situation. Roy Robertson-Harris is going to be a free agent this upcoming offseason, and I I doubt the Bears are going to have enough cap space to keep him around uh, long term. We look at the contract situation here. Cam Sample could be somebody maybe early day three, I think, of the draft that the Bears could maybe take a flyer on as an undersized athletic interior rusher that can maybe uh, shift out to the edge for a couple of snaps here and there throughout the game and really bring a nice impact as a pass rusher. I'm not really sure if he's going to be a three-down player because of his lack of size in the interior there, unless you kind of figure out a a hybrid role for him where he's maybe playing a little bit of edge uh, on rundowns. But uh, his ability to fire off the snap and his explosiveness and his ability to convert speed to power in the interior—it's special. You can just tell that this guy that he has a skill set that he can build off of and be successful at it in the NFL. So if you're if the Bears if they're looking for that undersized Uh, rotational edge rusher to kind of bring in here cam sample would be my pick because he was very impressive throughout the week and uh there are definitely things to build off of with his game but some other guys that i thought were impressive throughout the week uh two edge guys uh i think could be available for the bears on day three even late day three uh william bradley king out of baylor and ellerson smith of northern iowa so with smith i'll start with him as a small school guy uh very interesting player because I, again he's a guy that i never heard about going into the drafts in and going into this but uh in fact i actually heard more about his teammate spencer brown who was here at the senior bowl at right tackle um I, I was excited to watch spencer brown but it ended up i ended up noticing his teammate elson smith even more because he was just working guys throughout one-on-ones all week um you know he's a very odd prospect so to speak because he's not the most explosive He's not the biggest guy, he's not the longest guy, but you can just tell he's a very crafty smart player um, from what you when you watch him in one-on-ones and in team drills because uh, his hand usage is fantastic. Uh, you look at him whether he's working on the edge or in the interior, uh, he has this awesome swipe move that I, I, I don't think anybody figured out throughout the week. Uh, his ability to basically take his hands and work his punch to where he's able to swipe guys off of him, and get after the quarterback from there. No one could block him all week on that. Uh, so when he tried to get around you with speed and power, it didn't always work. But when he was able to beat your initial punch and use his leverage against you, that's where he saw some really impressive stuff from him. And I think he's a very intriguing guy. Late on day three, that the Bears may be interested in adding. But uh, William Bradley King, I was actually lucky enough to talk to him for a quick interview. Uh, I think after the first day of practice. Uh, He's another interesting player because he's an edge guy that has a lot of interesting traits to work with. Uh, He's got a lot of speed off the edge. He's got good size and length off the edge. Um, And he he showed a nice ability to convert speed to power this week. So William Bradley King, he's another guy to keep an eye on because there are definitely some traits to build off of uh, for him. um, You know, when it comes to the draft process and uh, maybe developing him um, at the next level.
2: Yeah, I think that's one of the big things to keep in mind with the senior ball, right, is that we've seen over the last couple of years, it's essentially just become a major platform for some of these guys that coming out of high school and going to college weren't the greatest athletes, weren't the most technically sound guys, but through the right coaching and the right situation, they've been able to make a name for themselves. And obviously, like, that's just a big credit to Jim Nagy and the entire staff for being able to find a lot of these smaller school players, right? But sticking with the concept of offensive linemen and just in the trenches, right? We've talked about guys that really impressed us. Why do you think a guy like Alabama offensive tackle, Alex Leatherwood, a guy who going into the draft process, right? So like back over the summer, throughout the college football season in the fall, was projected to be like a 1st round guy. Why do you think Alex Leatherwood has such a bad week down in Mobile?
3: Yeah, and here's the thing. It wasn't just Leatherwood at Alabama. Deontay Brown, his teammate at Alabama, he had a rough week a little bit as well down there at the Senior Bowl there. So it was really interesting to get these two guys from uh, the best program in college football, and they just really just didn't put it all together this week for the most part. And, you know, sticking with Alex Leatherwood first, I think the biggest thing with him, when you look at him, his week started off well because on measurement, weigh-in day, uh, his measurements you look at him and all look prototypical for a left tackle in the nfl he's six foot five 312 pounds 34 and a half inch arms which is a pretty good length he's got long arms um and you look at him; he's got a big squatty strong frame to him uh but i think the problem with him was his foot speed uh he just wasn't able to keep up with a lot of these speed rushers on the edge there especially during one-on-ones uh quincy roche Uh, speed rusher out of miami in particular he dominated him all week long in one-on-ones i mean leatherwood just wasn't able to match his speed around the edge and roche basically roasted him on the same move every single rep basically just a a basic speed roof off the edge where he's getting that a quick get off off the snap uh you know getting under him bending a little bit around the edge and getting to the quarterback from there and you know it's it's interesting because leatherwood While he's been considered a first-round talent by a a lot of pundits, with myself included at times, I think early in the process, I saw him as a first-round talent. I've kind of soured on him a little bit. The more I've watched of him, more of his film, and what I saw at the Senior Bowl, uh, but I think it's the foot speed thing for Leatherwood that's going to be his major uh, thing to kind of overcome here because he has a lot of the traits you you look for in a tackle, but if you don't have the feet to be able to match with these speedy edge rusher guys, That's a huge problem um, going into the NFL because there's going to be a lot of speedy, twitchy type of edge rushers in the NFL you're going to have to contend with. And again, like I said, he's considered by some to be a first round talent, but there are also a lot of people that considered him to be more of a natural fit at guard as well, despite his length and some of his other physical attributes. Um, So that could be very interesting to watch for Leatherwood going forward. And now I'll just say quickly for Brown, um, the other Alabama guy I mentioned, he had a bit of a rough week as well. And I think Brown, he's, he's interesting because he was the heaviest player at the senior bowl. He measured in at 364 pounds. So this guy's a big dude. Um, and you can definitely tell when you're looking at him on the field I and mean, he's just massive uh, compared to all these other guys down there at the field. But uh, again, foot speed is a huge, huge problem. And uh, you know, sometimes that can work well in a phone booth and team setting where you have some help from the center or the tackle that guard position they can help you out with a little bit of a chip here or a double team here eventually but uh in these one-on-one drills where he's exposed he's on an island uh his lack of foot speed was just a huge issue and, and a lot of defensive tackles uh were able to take advantage of that throughout the week
2: yeah and that's the one big thing with alice word i mean you mentioned is he really a first round pick i don't think he's a first round pick anymore because i think when you factor out the senior bowl for a second year right this pre-draft this pre-draft process this year I mean we've seen a lot of guys kind of rise into that first round conversation right I mean you're looking at Penny Sewell from Oregon being the consensus number one OT on the board but then you have guys like Christian Derriso you have debates around Northwestern's very own Rashawn Slater right Liam Eikenberg is another guy that you look at and you're like okay maybe you do see four or five offensive linemen go in the first round and essentially I think that as a the big thing with the senior ball is this, right? Is that as much as you can help your stock, you can also hurt your stock, right? And I think that Alice Leatherwood, just one of those guys that I had high expectations for going into Mobile, but looking at some of the practice film, the clips that were available to us on social media, reading some of the stuff from the major writers that were down there, it's very clear, like Leatherwood has slipped and now you're really have to question like, okay, is he really a natural, like offensive tackle at the next level? or to hide some of his deficiencies, is it just going to be much easier for a team to move him to guard? And I think that guys have done that all the time. Teams do that all the time, right? Because it's like, look at Jonah Williams, Came was a left tackle at Alabama a couple of years ago, goes in the first round, and then what happens is, he, I think Jonah Williams is a top 15 pick, right? Well, like, I think he's with the Cincinnati Bengals right now, and they've actually moved him over to left guard because of the, a lot of the same concerns that, Williams had guys your teams will have with Alex Leatherwood.
3: Yeah, we actually actually saw that kind of a little bit with the Bears, too. With Jermaine Ifetti, um, coming in from the Seattle Seahawks. Kind of saw the same thing here. Kind of struggled with a little bit of the, of the speed at the tackle position, but you put him at, in at right guard there. And, you know, his deficiencies, uh, to put it kindly, um, working in space are kind of minimized to a degree because he's working in a phone booth. And it's just a lot easier to keep up with some of these guys um, when you get us a, a little bit more help. Um, in the interior there. All right, we have uh, an exciting guest to come on here, Nicholas Moriano from the Chicago Audible. He's going to give us a different perspective on the wide receivers and defensive backs down there at Mobile uh, this past week. So we're going to talk to him in just a minute here. But before we get to that, we're going to take our second break of the show with a quick word from our sponsor. And we're back here at the Fix for Pace Podcast, starting off our Senior Bowl recap by welcoming in a special guest for our episode today, and that's Nicholas Moriano from the Chicago Audible. Uh, he was down there as well in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. Uh, Nicholas, how are we doing today, man?
1: Doing well, Andrew. Obviously, in different setting. We were a week ago in
3: Mobile, Alabama, covering practice, but I'm doing well. Yeah, absolutely. It's a funny story. Uh, so we ended up meeting the night before the practices ended up starting, and we ended up finding out that we were – coincidentally staying in the same hotel. So we kind of had a routine going on where we'd carpool it over to the practices, kind of be taking notes um, in the same little general vicinity. Uh, they kind of kept things a little bit spread out there down at the Senior Bowl, and just kind of keep the media members, you know, like I said, a little bit spread out there. Uh, but as it turned out for the first hour or so, they ended up doing basically just like individual drills, maybe a little bit of warm up team stuff to get the players all ready to go for practices. And things of that nature but once they got into one-on-ones we had this little tradition where basically i'd be like all right i'm off to the other side of the field gonna check out the offensive lineman defensive lineman and nicholas was focused mostly on the wide receivers defensive back drills so it was kind of funny we both be on basically on separate sides of the field then um, because you have wide receivers DBs on one side doing seven on seven one-on-ones things of that nature and offensive linemen, defensive linemen. Uh, they're doing their nine on seven drills occasionally, and their one on ones as well. So, uh, pretty interesting. And uh, you know, for anyone that wants to check check the, check that out for us, um, you know, we did a little video recap on day two of practice as well, which you can check out on both the Kyle Audible YouTube channel and the Bearport YouTube channel. So, if you want to get uh, some additional thoughts from there, you can go and check that out. But uh, you know, Nicholas, we're going to start off with your thoughts here on the defensive backs and wide receivers, and kind of get your input on those because you know, I wasn't quite able other than the team drills to kind of get a good look at those guys. You know, I I was able to go back and watch some of the film, but from what you saw live, what were your biggest takeaways from what you saw down there at the senior bowl for the one-on-one drills and some of the seven on seven stuff?
1: Yeah. I think the big takeaway is that there's a lot of talent just in this senior bowl class that was there in mobile, Alabama. And maybe I was just lazy and didn't want to go. And I'm like, I'm going to stay right here and watch the wide receivers and DBs because that's how it ended up playing out. But a guy that I thought was consistently good on each of the practices. And unfortunately in practice in the third one, Tylan Wallace from Oklahoma state was a guy that I w- wanted to see some good things coming in. Cause I did my research on him. And then when you see him going these one-on-ones with these DBs, it's, it looked easy for, for a guy that had torn his ACL in 2019, looked really smooth in his routes can create separation at the top of his route. And when he watched the film or watch some of the practice reps, you're like, where's the DB at? Oh, he's, he's trailing because Tylen Wallace has kind of created that separation. So he was a guy that was consistently making plays. Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan, twitchy is like the word that I think of when, when I watched him. I, I, like Tylen Wallace, is able to create separation, give the quarterback nice throwing lanes, regardless of who the quarterback was. If you're throwing a Dwayne Eskridge, he made his job a little bit easier because of the way he was able to create separation, but they could go on to the opposite side of uh, like wide receiver. Cause those are kind of the average, the smaller size, but a guy like Nico Collins from Michigan, like I wanted to watch him to see what they would do in the red zone. And I've, there was one opportunity where he was towards the right sideline. There was a, just a fade ball to the right, uh, right corner in the end zone nick nico collins what six 220 plus goes up there and grabs the ball takes it out of the air you didn't really hear about him as much as those other two that i mentioned but a guy that was awesome in in the game on saturday but was also consistently good in the practices amari rogers from clemson you saw what he was able to do in the game you should see what he was doing in the majority of the practices there just able to, again a lot of these guys are just so nifty when they're running routes, be able to create that separation, make it easy for quarterbacks. And I think that was, that's what was, I think the overall theme from a lot of these guys, uh, another one, Demetric Felton from UCLA, that running back slash wide receiver, um, able to do that consistently as well. But obviously there are people that are trying to guard these guys and these DBs and some guys that really caught my eye and seeing who was providing the most resistance in trying to stop these wide receivers at is collectively a really good group on, on the national team and you know, obviously the American team as well. But I really like Thomas Graham Jr. from Oregon. He now he didn't have the best game on Saturday, and look, he's going against Amari Rodgers, he kind of got him a few times in that game. But throughout the practices, Thomas Graham Jr. was looking really good and he was playing that nickel corner spot in the game. I think that's where you could probably project him to uh play in the NFL, but he was somebody that I was really impressed with, and another guy that. It was. I was looking forward to seeing Elijah Molden, uh, Washington DB, but he ended up getting hurt, wasn't able to participate in the Senior Bowl, but his teammate, Keith Taylor Jr. And, Andrew, I know, like, uh, obviously you were on the offensive line, defensive line side, but I know you saw some plays from him as well, but a bigger corner who's able to turn his hips, run with opposing wide receivers downfield, locate the ball, and deflect it. That's what Keith Taylor was doing consistently throughout practice. Didn't matter if it was some of these smaller wide receivers, he was able to just stay with these guys. And then you see in the game, he's the one who causes the interception. He's right down the right sideline in perfect position, get his hand on the ball interception. So really liked what I saw from Keith Taylor jr. And another guy consistently making plays. And I, I didn't do much research on him because I didn't really know much about him, even though he went to a big 10 school is Benjamin St. Juice, the quarterback, um, you know, just the, the former uh, golf, Minnesota golfer there. I mean, tall corner, never, like I said, never had heard of him and just made a bunch of plays. There were a couple of plays in the team period and seven on seven, where he's actually going up against Dimitri Felton. And he has the, it's the last play of that sequence and it's Benjamin St. Juice that wins it. Both times, so you automatically write that down in your notes. You're like, okay, uh, well, I think it was number twenty-five that he was doing in, in practice uh, that he was wearing there. You're like, okay, number twenty-five, another may play on ah, Dimitri Felton, a very shifty running back slash wide receiver, like I was saying earlier. So that was another guy that you see. Okay, you're gonna keep an eye on him. Obviously, now and maybe come draft time, you never know. And then just other guys like me being as close, like we were, we were fairly close there. Obviously in the stands there, Andrew, but seeing. I'm going to see if I can pronounce this right. Ifatu Melifanwu from mm-hmm. Syracuse, seeing a guy like that, it looks like a linebacker that can move like a corner, which is, I mean, just not fair. He's built like his his brother that that was drafted a couple uh, years ago, but seeing the physical, I guess, specimens that are out there in that field moving as fast as they are, kind of incredible. But one other guy that I do want to highlight um, from the defensive backs, maybe he didn't get as much hype, but he's just so technical. Technically sound every single time he's out there. Aaron Robinson from from UCF, six um, one, about one hundred and ninety pounds, but he, I don't think he's going to test uh, extremely light, like like a Melifonwu, But he's just so technically sound, and he was just in the right position at the right time, making plays, and you just didn't hear much about him, maybe because he's not as flashy. But he was somebody that I really liked as well. But, yeah, it was fun to just watch these wide receivers, these DBs, just kind of go at it day in and day out and see who would eventually get, you know, the better end um, in, like, the the one-on-ones, the seven-on-sevens, and even in team drills. But, yeah, those are some guys that really stood out to me. And I, have like, collectively just coming away from this, like, Ryan Pace has done some – gotten some guys from the senior bowl, bowl but also from smaller schools – I would think maybe he has to look at some of these guys at some point and think, can they make my roster better? Cause we all know the bears could use a lot of things right now. And I think any of these guys could definitely help this roster.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, especially with where the bears are at right now, you can never have too many defensive backs and you can never have too many wide receivers. You know, we've seen this all across the NFL right now, this explosion in offense, the passing game is important as it is. I mean, not only do you need guys that can catch the ball and get open, but you need guys that, cover those guys obviously and it's just really t- it's really hard to find those quality uh players especially in the secondary especially uh, you want to get guys that are versatile you want to get guys that can match up i don't want to say match up against a variety of different players but can uh, dissipate matchup problems on the opposing side of the field and that's where i think guys like keith taylor that you mentioned there could be an interesting player benjamin st Jude's is two taller lengthier corners on the outside I mean, we pretty much got a guy like that already on the Bears and Jalen Johnson, but who says you can't get another one of those types of players in there? Because we saw when Jalen Johnson went down due to injury this past year, I mean, that creates some problems for you on the outside. And Kendall Vildor, who's able to fill in decently well, I thought at times, but that definitely creates issues as well when you have a lot of injuries there at the cornerback position. It's a pretty volatile position in that sense. Um, but, yeah, sticking back to the wide receivers, it's kind of interesting because – You know, based off of my understanding, these drills are kind of in favor of the offense a little bit, especially in the one-on-ones, because, I mean, the cornerbacks or safeties, they don't have any help on that side of the ball. Usually they're playing some type of off coverage, so they're already going to be on their heels a little bit. And it's just a whole ton of space for wide receiver to work with there. So um, if, if you're a cornerback and you're able to just make a few plays out there on the field, I mean, that's pretty impressive in and of itself. But when you look at the team drills, you know, I was able to watch wide receivers during team drills, obviously. And uh, the one guy that did stick out the most to me, especially on day two, there's a sequence on day two of practices where Amari Rogers, I swear, he pretty much made every single play on the 11 on 11 drills that they were doing down there. It seemed like whenever they needed a third down conversion, that throws like Amari Rogers in the slot. He's going to be open. Uh, he ended up making a big, I think it was like a jump ball play where he was like streaking on a, like a, a seam route in the middle of the field. And I think it was Kellam him on a nice little ball down there. Uh, down over the linebacker in between the safety. Uh, But Amari Rodgers is really impressive because he's a guy that comes from a big program in Clemson, obviously. But, you know, with Trevor Lawrence there, quarterback, you kind of underrate him a little bit because Trevor Lawrence is so awesome of a quarterback prospect that you kind of forget about the wide receivers. But to see him go out there and and go to work was uh, pretty impressive in and of itself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you want you you can get your whatever kind of wide receiver you're looking for. You're looking for that speedy, shifty guy you quit in the slot. You can find someone like that in the senior bowl class. You want Nico Collins, a big wide receiver that can use that speed to get downfield and get that 50-50 ball, he's there as well. And if you need a corner to defend that guy like Keith Taylor, he's there. Someone in the slot like a Thomas Graham Jr. That every type, every type of corner, wide receiver, it's in this just senior bowl class. So that's why it was so much, uh, so much fun for me to kind of watch and see how it would play out each and every day. But yeah, there's some, definitely some good players here. And I think it was just honestly, overall, as you look at this, this senior bowl, the participants here, it was a pretty stacked class. Like there's a button, like you go to the offensive line, defensive line line. There were some really good football players all over the field when we were down there last week in Mobile, Alabama.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I would say, going back and looking at the rosters over the past couple of years, this might've been the most talented class we've seen basically at, at, all, at all in the senior bowl. I mean, you look back at the last few years. I mean, there's a lot of big names here and a lot of guys that you wouldn't expect that stepped up this week as well. Um, so it just makes it really exciting uh, from that aspect of things. So uh, I want to get your thoughts here on, on the last thing for wider receivers and DBs. Uh, who do you think are your biggest winners and losers? If you had to pick out one name for each category there on each side of the ball
1: yeah so uh winners and look I mean I think like I had Tylen Wallace I've written all about him and I wanted to see him do some really good things out there and even though he didn't play or practice in the, in the third practice or play in the game I think he definitely showed what he's capable of doing um, I think that any teams that had question marks about maybe that prior ACL injury and he had played a season after it I think those are laid to rest at this point. And obviously you're going to be a little bit concerned, but he's definitely a winner in my book, but actually a guy that I was playing up or talking about that Thomas Graham Jr. Like the game itself, seeing what Amari Rogers was able to do to him, that might make him a loser in the, you know, obviously the everything was heightened in this senior bowl from the practices to the actual game, because there is no NFL scouting combine in its traditional format. So seeing that, you know, Amari Rodgers really got advantage of a Thomas Graham Jr. on a touchdown pass and also a two-point conversion. Maybe teams will look at that like, yes, he did have good practices. And like you were saying, the one-on-ones are going to go favorable to the wide receivers, but in the game, we saw what can actually happen. So yeah, winner, go with Tylen Wallace, the loser, Thomas Graham, even though the prior three practices was really good, the game, I, I know a lot of teams will look at that and maybe just maybe think twice about it, but I think he's still gonna be a good player at, at the next level. But that can maybe put some, you know, can damper some teams' uh, expectations for a guy like that.
3: Yeah, Graham's an interesting prospect because you don't look at him and say that you know his physical tools aren't necessarily they don't necessarily stand out to you. You know, he's I think he's five foot ten. Mm-hmm. He's under one ninety, I think, for his weight. So he's kind of a small guy, and he's not the most explosive athlete. So I think a lot of teams may see that. Um, and kind of come away unimpressed by that physical profile. But, I mean, you said it during the practices. From what I saw, he was really sticky in coverage there. And if you're sticking coverage in these drills where every advantage possible is geared toward the wide receiver winning those one-on-one matchups, uh, you had to come away a little bit more impressed. I thought his technique was pretty good throughout just watching the film of him uh, on repeat there. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I think the wide receivers – Going into this thing, there are a lot of big names for this, but at the end of the day, I think the biggest takeaway for me, uh, and I think just based off of what you're saying as well, is that there is going to be a lot of wide receiver talent in this upcoming draft class. So if you're the Bears, you look at them, they might be losing Allen Robinson this offseason. You don't know who their number two, number three option is. Obviously, you have Darnell Mooney from last year, but you know Anthony Miller, he's had his ups and, up and downs throughout his career as a Bear. You look at Riley Ridley, what has he really done as a bear so far they're gonna need to add another wide receiver possibly in this draft and it looks like there is a lot of talent and a lot of different skill sets that they can work off here all right uh i want to move on to one final topic before we get you out of here nicholas and that's going to be the quarterback position because we got to see these guys a lot and i know uh, the senior bowl is kind of tough to evaluate the quarterback position because a lot of it's with one-on-one drills there they're not really going through progressions they're not really reading things it's a tough environment anyway because they're adjusting to these new wide receivers and they're to adjust to in a sense new playbooks new concepts they kind of have to go through in a very short amount of time uh it's not like a training camp for these guys where they have weeks and weeks and weeks on end to practice get into a rhythm and, and kind of figure some things out but i think there are some things to take away here from what we saw out of the quarterbacks this past week and you know, we'll start with Mac Jones here because he's a guy that I think the Bears could be targeting possibly uh, late in the first round when you look at that 20th selection. There are a lot of questions, I think, from a lot of fans and pundits alike that, you know, is Mac Jones really a first round type of talent there? Uh, what were your thoughts on uh, his performance this week? And do you think that, you know, he might have helped himself himself out there in terms of getting into that first round conversation a little bit more?
1: Yeah, Andrew, I think just my takeaway from Mac Jones, I wanted to see like everything you just described about what the senior bowl kind of does to the quarterbacks they are in an unknown environment with weapons. Like Mac Jones didn't have all those first round draft picks that he was throwing to at Alabama, but what you still saw from Mac Jones was command of the huddle accuracy and decision-making. So you put him in a new environment. That's what that's where all the questions were about Mac Jones. Could he still play to that ability? I think for the most part, he did like, he didn't do anything. Nobody really did anything on the first practice from the quarterback perspective, but on practice two, you saw a throw that you, you, you take note of, and that was to, what was it? The Georgia tight end going towards the left side. Yes. Like that's a throw that you look at like, okay, that's, that's, that, that's a really darn good throw. And it's with a linebacker in coverage and, you know, maybe certain number of quarterbacks can, can make that, And then you just know, well, Mac Jones is a little different. Like maybe it's not just what he did at Alabama that he could translate his game to the next level. And he doesn't have his limitations. Like we were talking Andrew, like the ball doesn't, it's not firing off his arm. He doesn't have the strongest arm. Like we were talking about Jamie Newman, maybe having that, but I just liked how Mac Jones was able to compete in these drills. There was a third and eight situation, simulated situation that they had in team and what Mac Jones, he gets a drop back. He kind of, steps up into the pocket, surveys the field, just sees his crosser coming over the middle, throws it to him. The, the offense ends up getting a first down. And you see Mac Jones just kind of pointing. You see that competitiveness out of him. That's what I like seeing out of a guy like that. I, he just won a national championship. He's getting hyped up for a first down in a second practice of the senior bowl. That's what you like to see. And apparently he was just on good morning football, what, yesterday. And he met with all 32 teams as Probably they should have and the bears, obviously being one of them. So I think he does help himself get into that first round. He's probably going to be what the fifth quarterback that gets taken uh, in this draft. And I think that what he did in mobile, Alabama, even though he didn't play in the game with that ankle injury, he helped himself. He definitely did. We saw what he can do with weapons that are not as good as the ones that you're going to see in Alabama. And he was able to, like I said, just show that poise command in a, you know, an unfamiliar setting, and he excelled in it.
2: So, Nick, I got to ask you, right, as I jump in here, but do you think, like, because we've seen just the narrative around the Bears fan based on social media is hey, listen, Mac Jones is the guy at 20, right? Now, do you think, based off his performance down in Mobile, that Chicago might have to maybe trade up for him? Because I think that after the way that he played, right, and then obviously meeting with all 32 teams. And then the narrative going into mobile was he's only good because of some of the guys around him at Alabama. But do you think the bears are going to have to trade it for Mac Jones? Or is this the type of thing where you think the narrative about him having a really good week is like kind of overblown?
1: You know what? It could be um, over, but I think just with how quarterbacks go in every draft that you're going to see after the first four are gone, who's that next team that absolutely needs a quarterback that's before the bears, or even after it's going to move up to go get Mac Jones. Like, Honestly, if you sit at 20, I think that he would be gone by then, to be completely honest. But I don't think it's just because of what he did in Mobile, Alabama, and then obviously factoring his, his great season, um, that that's going to just raise his stock dramatically. People are just quarterback needy. Teams are quarterback needy. So I think you would probably have to move up. And that's that's like a situation that I still have to think about. Like, would I want the bears moving up for Mac Jones would like, there's a bunch of questions there, but I think that's what you would have to do. Unfortunately, you get a quarterback, a young quarterback too. Like do you even trust Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy right now with any young quarterback at this point, I don't even know. So there's a bunch of questions with that. And I just think once the draft happens and we're get, we have to see where a bunch of these other quarter, like Derek Carr and some of these other guys go, if they do go, how that then affects the draft. But I think if the Bears were to just sit and wait at 20, Mac Jones probably won't be there.
2: I think, yeah, that's perfect, right? Because, like, we see certain people, like, I know Ben Albright, who's at the Senior Bowl every year, he certainly has a really good read of just, like, not just the Denver Broncos, but what's going on around the league. And, like, even he's tweeted out multiple times, right? He's just like, hey, Mac Jones is going to go higher than a hell of a lot of people expect. And I think that... When we look at that, right, we have to understand that for the Bears, like you're, because I tweeted this yesterday too, right, I was just like, for the Bears, I mean, your opening day starter in 2021 could be someone as good as Deshaun Watson, could be someone like Derek Carr, or it could absolutely be Nick Foles or a rookie quarterback, depending on who they decide to bring in or whatever they do at that quarterback position, right? But like right now looking at it, I mean, if they're not going to sacrifice the farm, like Jones is probably the best option. Is he the hottest name? Absolutely not but could he be the right fit in Chicago with what Nagy's trying to do? Then probably.
1: Yeah. It's all going to depend on, uh, again, what the bears are going to have to maybe give up if they had to move up to go get him, And then what are they putting around Mac Jones? And if you're losing Allen Robinson, Mac Jones, that's not the ideal situation to be in. And if you don't have Anthony Miller, because he's too busy punching people, you you won't, you're down another wide receiver. So I think it, it, you need to put him with the right, right talent. I think you got to do that for every quarterback, really. I mean, obviously there are some outliers there. Two are playing in the Super Bowl, maybe where they can do great things regardless of who's there. But I think that if it is Mac Jones, you hope that maybe you can upgrade one of the tackle spots and get him another weapon, so then you could see what he can possibly do in, in year one. But it's gonna be, man, it's gonna be such a crazy offseason. And Andrew, I know we were, we were, um back and forth direct messaging on twitter about this like this offseason we don't know what's going to happen with the quarterbacks and the bears could be really anywhere when it comes to that
3: yeah absolutely it's, it's going to be impossible to predict what's going to happen in the next coming months here because we already saw matthew stafford get traded to the rams I and mean, that kind of came out of nowhere you'd think the rams would be the last team that matthew stafford would be traded to just because of their you know cap situation and the draft pick situation given you know, all the first round picks they've given up over the years, but I got it. They went out and did it anyway, because they're the Rams and they're aggressive. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting. You mentioned Derek Carr. He was a name that's going to be a hot commodity, I think. And he's been kind of thrown out there a little bit. Deshaun Watson obviously is the big prize, I think, for most NFL teams. But yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how these quarterbacks kind of fall throughout free agency, because that's going to impact what the bears could do. And it may, influencer thinking maybe to not take a guy in the first round, maybe try to look for a day two or day three option here. And, you know, we were able to see a couple of guys that are going to be going in that range as well with two guys, especially, and they were both on um, Mac Jones's team as well during these practices. And that was Kellen Mond out of Texas A&M and Jamie Newman. And it was interesting because these are kind of two similar prospects in the sense that both of these guys are very physically talented, but for whatever reason, I think with Mon, he's had a lot of starting experience, but just hasn't really put it all together in terms of consistency. But Jamie Newman, he sat the whole last season out. Uh, he opted out for you know family reasons, COVID reasons, whatever it may be. Um, and sticking with Jamie Newman specifically here, I mean, you could tell that he was a bit rusty here this week, uh, kind of getting back in the swing of things here, not used to that team environment with pass rushers getting, you know, pressure on you all those messy pockets to deal with dealing with the speed of nfl defensive backs and going through progressions it was a bit of a struggle for newman this week but uh what were your general thoughts on him because he had a pretty good first day when things were kind of a little bit simpler you kind of see that you know his talent his arm talent does pop out to you when you're just watching him on the field his ball there's a lot of zip on his ball when it's coming out of his hand and that's very obvious but what were your thoughts on newman specifically and even if you want to touch on Mondo a little bit too here, because he had a pretty big game in the actual uh, senior bowl game as well.
1: Yeah. For, for Jamie Newman, like you were saying that first day, it, you know, it was, I, I would say an all right practice. That uh, probably stood out among the, the other guys, but then on day two, I think there was a sequence where he had what back to back interceptions where one of the interceptions wasn't even close to, whatever receiver he was targeting. I couldn't really tell you who that was. And then you also saw in the game, some of those same issues that you saw in practice kind of manifested themselves in the game. So my my overall takeaway though, is like this is a guy, obviously, like you said, had been away from football for quite a bit. There's still obviously training and things of that nature. But when you put on the pads, you're in that environment. It's different. And I think it's still, whoever decides to draft him, it's going to be a project, right? You have to, again, have the right situation for him, the right environment to kind of get the most out of a guy like that. Cause like you said, physically talented when he's throwing the ball, you see it, you see the, the just cut through the air, the ball and get to the receivers has that zip, like you were saying, Andrew. So I think by the end of the week and by the practice, I was a little down on Jamie Newman but Kellen Mond did the exact opposite for me when I was watching through the practices. Like he had his moments. Like there wasn't, he wasn't like consistently as good as like a Mac Jones or anything like that. But then when he gets to game time, like there's, I think there, there's something to this Andrew where some people are, they can, they're just practice guys. Like you see them consistently in practice, but they maybe they don't perform in the game or they play like how they practice. I think Kellen Mond is a, he's just a gamer. Like you see him through practice. It won't be the best throws or he won't make the right decisions but then you see him in the game and just having the stats right here 13 and 25 173 yards two touchdowns like he was throwing some accurate passes down the middle of the field in tight windows in the red zone uh mari rogers was the, was the recipient of one of those um he looked i wouldn't say it's like a nine day difference because i just hadn't seen the consistency like that throughout the practices but the game like was this Kellen Mond guy? I like I like what I'm seeing there, but yeah, it would definitely go Mac Jones, Mond, and then Newman. And that was just on on the American team. The National team didn't quite have the the quarterbacks that you you wanted to look for for a potential. Like Ian Book, I think was he was there, like he was he was at the Cedar Bowl. I could tell you that, but there wasn't too much made from it. But yeah, definitely the the American team had the quarterbacks that you're looking into because there's potential. And you got to see where they can potentially go if you have the right environment with them.
3: Yeah. And I would say that for Mon, those statistics for the game don't even tell the whole story because he made a couple of NFL caliber throws there that were dropped throughout the course of that game. So uh, for whatever reason, things just clicked for him near the end of the week here. And he was really dealing in that game to say the least. He was really uh, impressive to me because like you said, you watch him throughout the week and you're just like, all right, I mean, he's fine. He's making a couple of good throws here and there. And then, I mean, for, he just popped. He just popped, and it was really impressive to watch. Um, I will say, uh, Nicholas, he had to leave early on day three practices, so he left. The American team was the second practice of the day, so he had to head out a little bit early. And I was able to watch a little bit more of the quarterbacks on that day, and I'll say that Newman, you talked about his throws on day two. Day three was a little bit rougher on that end as well. You know, one guy I, I, I think we have to mention here for defensive backs is uh, – Safety Richie Grant out of Central Florida, he had himself a day on day three, and it was at the expense of Newman, unfortunately, for the most part. We saw in team drills, he picked him off twice in team drills that day. One was on a he was playing like a cover two shell, and Newman just overthrew his receiver kind of right to him, which kind of unfortunate there. It might have been a miscommunication between him and the wide receiver, so you don't really know there. But the second one uh, was really impressive because Grant was guarding, I think, Kadarius Tony who was one of the better wide receivers there at the senior bowl all week. Another guy we haven't mentioned. I mean, there's a bunch of wide receiver talent there at the senior bowl. It's ridiculous. But um, Grant, I mean, he made a phenomenal play covering him, not only one-on-one, but undercutting the route and getting the interception there. So uh, like, so I mean, you can credit that to Grant for saying that he made two incredible plays there. But it go, goes back to Newman just having that rust on him. And I think that's what I'm going to kind of put it as because – you know, his film is a bit weird because when you look at Wake Force's offense, I've mentioned this before in the podcast, it's a very odd offense to evaluate because they do so many things that just doesn't translate to the NFL whatsoever. Um, so it, it's going to be tough for him in these type of environments because it's, it's a new uh, offense, new receivers, and he's just not used to the speed of the game that's happening right now. But uh, I still think he's a guy that if the Bears were to go with a veteran option and maybe look for a guy in day three. He'd be the perfect guy, I think, maybe early fourth round, maybe somewhere in the fifth round that you can pick up there and try and see if there's anything that you can develop out of him, put him on the bench for two or three years and see if there's maybe a little bit of upside there. What would be your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would
1: definitely be fine with that. Um, we haven't seen Ryan Pace or, you know, the Bears organization really draft quarterbacks other than Mitchell Trubisky in 2017. So, If you're going to, so the thing is with what, where the scenario that there are right now, maybe they don't want to take a project quarterback because they know after this season they might be out. So that could be a very realistic option for them, but I'd be perfectly fine with that. Like you said, um, if it's in that fourth, fifth round and Jamie Newman hasn't been drafted yet, why not take a chance? The bears don't have anybody that they're grooming right now to try to develop at this point. And we wish that was the case you know, years before that they would have at least drafted somebody, but they haven't done so. So yeah, if that was a scenario, he's still on the board. Yeah, I, w- I would be perfectly fine with that. But given the circumstance that the Bears are in with this win must win mode, if not everyone's gone, it, they might just not even think of that as an option because it's just not going to help them right now and we've seen obviously fourth and fifth round draft picks like a Darnell Mooney and uh, at times like a Travis Gibson get into the game and you know try to impact some plays obviously Darnell Mooney being a a big impact for for the Bears so that could be the Bears thinking and why they maybe wouldn't even consider drafting a a project quarterback to develop because they know they have to win right now and say if they utilize every pick that they have
2: yeah I think the Project quarterback is certainly interesting, you know, because we've seen like, all right, this is one of those, this is one of the more loaded quarterback class, classes that we've seen over the last couple of years. And we've, you know, Ryan Pace's comment of, well, I believe in drafting quarterback every single year, like, it rings in my head every single offseason because I'm like, okay, well, you've really only taken one. And you've dumped all this money into the quarterback position, like, you went from Jay Cutler to Mike Glennon to Mitch Trubisky to Mark Sanchez, you know, Brian Hoyer and Mark, Matt Barkley were somewhere in there, but kind of getting away from the quarterbacks, right? Was there any player at the senior ball on either team that you looked at, right? And you're like, okay, I had high hopes for this guy going into this week, but he just did not impress me enough. That's maybe a, not a quarterback.
1: Ooh, that's not a quarterback that didn't impress. Um, you know what? I, I, I guess it's not. No, I, I like I wanted to see a lot of, uh, from players that just weren't there, but that, I guess that's not fair to them. Um, but you know what? I'm actually going to take this the opposite direction, say someone that did impress that I was looking for, and that's going to help the Bears here. Um, a Dylan, and you would probably, Andrew, know this more mm-hmm. than me, but I definitely watched, making sure I was keeping an eye on his reps, Dylan Redunce from North Dakota State. Like this uh, smaller school guy had played one game um, and then COVID kind of canceled the season. Right. But like being from a smaller school and facing some better talent, Dylan Redonce not only fit in, but he was winning his matches. I think he won play- practice player of the week, if I'm not mistaken, according to Jim Nagy. Um, and that was a guy that was looking towards seeing what he could do and, he did. He not only met my expectations, but really blew them out of, out of the water there because of how he's able to hold up, whether it was in run, uh, you know, just in run plays or pass protection in the game itself. On the run by who Carter, the running back uh, from UNC, you see Dylan Redunds kind of get in the back there, and he's pushing. Uh, Carter, to help him get into the end zone. You love seeing stuff like that from your linemen, that they're going to get down and dirty and kind of do that dirty work, work in the trenches, right? So um, that was somebody that I was definitely looking forward to seeing, and he definitely exceeded my expectations just seeing what he was able to do in the Senior
3: Bowl. Yeah, we're done. And I'd say another small solution that we both fell in love with, Nick, and that's got to be Quinn Miners, Wisconsin Whitewater. Uh, I remember uh, we were – was, this was after day two we were in, we were just chilling out in the hotel lobby and you're we watching film of some of the senior bowl practices. i'm like nicholas you have to watch this guy's highlight tape from d3 and it was probably the funniest experience <laughs> film film experience i've ever had because he, he's just literally throwing dudes around what's funny is minors did the exact same thing this week as well so you're looking at him he's throwing around these guys that are d3 probably not going to be in the nfl anytime soon but you get him in the senior bowl here. And he's doing the same thing. The guys that are going to be picked high uh, in the NFL. Pretty impressive stuff. At least for me.
1: Absolutely. Like uh when we were watching that on the second day of practice. So that would be Wednesday's practice. I believe uh, the end of the night there, just seeing his film, we were just laughing most of the time <laughs> watching him blow up dudes. And yes, the highlight tape, that's exactly what it's for. But this, this was more than that. I recommend anybody like after you listen to this, go to YouTube, just type in Quinn Miners, and then it's the video by draft diamonds about three minutes. Just check it out and just, you know, just marvel in what he's able to do to some of these guys because they don't see it come like he pulls and these poor, whether it's a safety line, it doesn't matter who it is. They are getting leveled. And it was amazing to watch. And, yeah, that was that was the highlight of, of the trip for me, just being able to watch that and just, yeah, like I we I could have watched that all night, honestly. It was, it was really good stuff.
3: Oh, absolutely. I think I watched that two or three more times before I went to bed. Anyway. <laughs> that, that's the way you have to do it, I think. Uh, and speaking of which, I think that's a good way to, to end you here on the podcast. Here. Nick, get you out of here um, work on some other things there for the Chicago audible. Of course, uh, uh, Nicholas, where can they find you on Twitter and where can they find your work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow me personally at Nicholas Moriano on Twitter. You can also follow the Chicago audible at the Chicago audible on Twitter. And then same thing on Facebook and YouTube. If you just look up the Chicago audible, you can find everything that I write there. All of the podcasts that we produce throughout the week, everything is on that website, but yeah, if you ever want to, like, all I like, tweet about is the Bears and maybe, you know, what I have for breakfast every now and then. Who knows? But at, at Nicholas Moriano, you can find me there.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, Bears fans. Uh, check him out on Twitter. Definitely give him a follow. has a lot of great, interesting stuff uh, for the Chicago Bears. And, you know, it's going to be interesting with a long offseason, very important off season ahead. Make sure you're getting as much updates from him as possible from him and his work there at Chicago Audible. All right, Nicholas, thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure having you on the podcast, man.
1: Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Um, Hopefully, we can do this again soon.
3: And we're back here at Picks for Pace, concluding this episode by going over the big game of the year uh, Super Bowl between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you said this is it, man. The 2020, 2021 season, it's finally coming to a close. It's kind of a surreal feeling uh, considering where we were at before the year and not even knowing whether we'd even had the season finish for the NFL.
2: Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. And, you know, I I look at it, right, because I was talking about this on another podcast yesterday, and I'm like, okay, you have a guy that is the greatest of all time versus a lot of people that think, okay, Patrick Mahomes is the GOAT in the making. So you have the GOAT versus the GOAT in the making, right? And this is obviously – I think I I saw another stat. Like, both of these guys, I think, are, like, 18 years apart, which is, I think, the largest starting – the largest gap between both starting quarterbacks ever in super bowl history. So it's definitely cool. And then you add in the uh, added element that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the first ever team to play a super bowl in their own home stadium, right? So it's definitely going to be an interesting matchup because I think you have two really evenly matched teams, but I will say this, I would give the edge to in terms of defense, right? I would give the edge to Tampa Bay in this one solely because of the presence of guys like linebacker Devin white.
3: Yeah. And that's going to be the matchup. I think when you look at, you know, the chiefs, they have so many weapons in the offensive side of the ball, you know, you have to worry about Tyreek Hill out on the outside, going over the top being deep, but uh, Travis Kelsey is the, the X factor. I think for this offense outside of obviously Patrick Mahomes, obviously, but uh, Travis Kelsey's his presence in the middle of the field there for Patrick Mahomes is so invaluable uh, for what they want to do on offense there. And That's going to be key. If, if Levante David, And Devin White can match up and kind of take him out of the game, which is easier said than done, obviously. Uh, That could go a long way for uh, their advantage there, necessarily on that side of the ball. But I I like what you said, bring up these quarterbacks here. It's kind of, it feels like a passing of the torch type of moment here, type of game here. And it's interesting because uh, you look at Tom Brady, all all of his accomplishments throughout his career, and he gets another first for his career, uh, being the quarterback of the first team in NFL history to play in a Super Bowl where they're the uh, host team. So Tampa Bay Buccaneers are playing in their own home stadium for this one. So that's another surreal factor to kind of bring to this thing. And it's like, what hasn't Tom Brady done at this point of his career? I mean, he's just accomplished so much at this point. It's really unfathomable at times. You just can't really put it into perspective what he has done throughout his career here. So it, I think it's going to be a very exciting game. You say, it, uh, let's go with your predictions here. Who do you have winning this one and what's the score? Uh, for this one.
2: So it's very difficult for me to pick against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. And I think, so I'm going to go Tampa Bay 31, the Chiefs 24, because I look at the Bucs defense, right? And I'm like, okay, this is a defense that's playing at a really high level i mean listen they held their own against the green bay packers despite tom brady having three interceptions and then also if you're tom brady right you got to be tired of healing the brady versus belichick debate and about how well you know what the reason that the patriots have the six super bowl rings is more so because of coaching and bill belichick right so i think tom brady he doesn't have anything left to prove to prove that he's the greatest, but I think he's going to be out to prove this weekend that, you know, what I am capable of winning and consistently winning without bill Belichick as my head coach. So I'm going to go Tampa Bay 31, but uh, Kansas city 24. Yeah. I expect Tom Brady to have a I definitely have a chip on his shoulder in this game.
3: He's kind of had that throughout the year. It seems like, and you know, it's, it's pretty incredible that he's doing what he's doing. Um, at his age, I think he's 43 right now, if I if I believe. So the fact that he's putting together 40 touchdown seasons at the age of 43, getting his team to a Super Bowl, it's uh, just absolutely impressive. And I could definitely see that scenario working out if Tampa Bay can get a couple of stops here throughout the game. But unfortunately for me, I'm gonna have to go the opposite direction here. I'm taking the Chiefs in this one. Um, I just don't think there's a team out there with a healthy Patrick Mahomes with a healthy set of weapons here for the Chiefs. I I don't see a single defense out there. I know Tampa Bay is awesome on defense and I'm not taking anything away from them, but the chiefs have just so much power, power, firepower on that side of the ball that uh, I, I just, I think it's going to be too overwhelming at at this point Uh, for my prediction. I'm taking the chiefs 33 to 30 uh, to win over the Buccaneers. I think it's going to come down to a last second field goal. So it's, I think it's going to be a very tight, well-contested game, a very fun game. And this is going to be, you know, Pretty awesome, I think. Uh, you know, with a, a season like this, with all the adversity for a lot of these players, that you know, really for everyone involved in this type of thing, um, I, I think we're going to to get a great game at the end of the year is going to be, I think, a great reward for a season that you know, for a lot of Bears fans, especially, has been a little bit of a roller coaster. It's kind of uh, been up and down a little bit, but at the end of the day, if we can get a great Super Bowl here to kind of cap things off, uh, that'll be. Uh, It'll make things a little bit easier to bear going into an off season It's going to be very interesting in and of itself. So, I think with that, that's a good point to conclude this episode of Picks for Pace and uh, kind of move on here. Uh, you know, I want to thank our listeners once again for tuning in on all platforms. Uh, you said, where can they find you on Twitter?
2: Yeah, guys, you can follow me on all my social media links, whether that's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm always promoting my content. Follow me, though, at Usaid Koshal. That's just U-S-A-Y-D-K-O-S-H-U-L. It's my first and last name. And DMs are always open if you just want to, like, talk football or challenge something that I may have said on the podcast.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You can also follow the Picks for Pace podcast at Picks for Pace as well. Make sure to give uh, our Twitter uh, a follow there as well. You can follow me at AJFreeman25. Um, and also find my work at the Bear Report as well. You can also find my work on YouTube. Uh, make sure, again, if you haven't checked it out, make sure to check out uh, Nicholas Mariano and our, and mine uh, recap of the Senior Bowl, one of the practices we did. Uh, it's going to be on the Bear Report YouTube channel and the Chicago Audible YouTube channel. Definitely give that a look if you're looking for more Senior Bowl uh, content there. Uh, all right, uh, once again, thank you to all of our listeners. It's been a wild 2020 season to cover throughout all the ups and downs of this year. But, you know, we're looking forward to a great Super Bowl and, of course, a great offseason. So uh, looking forward to it there. Thank you all for uh, tuning in.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th,